may see the presence of the Lord. The Bible says a great windstorm arose, the waves were breaking, and to the boat so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, deep open the ship. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? A few moments, I want to talk about the blessing of unexpected storms. The blessing of unexpected storms. Time is still with swift transition. We sing this line to the old church hill all the time. Yet we fail to embrace this truth that time is filled with swift transitions. As you and I go through life, things change and they change rapidly and they change very often. While we want to live in a world of a utopia environment where everything is calm and peaceful and predictable all the time. The reality is we are really tossed and driven by a restless sea of time. We are always going through changes. This is why it's important that we don't get too caught up on our highs. At the same time, one becomes too devastated by our lows. Because as we journey through life, we go through swift transitions. Storms come from every direction. And they oftentimes show up at the most inopportune time. Right when you think Everything is together. And things are lining up. One phone call, one turn, one intrusion, one interaction can change the course of the trajectory of your life, at least temporarily. It's called storms. We may want to plan our days and we may want to do all we can to control the events of our lives. We plan, we plot, we scheme. But the reality is, life is filled with unexpected storms. But when the storms of life begin to rage, even when you cannot see the storm coming and there is no prediction that the storm is about to come in, note this. That for every storm, God is sovereign over your storm. And within the inconvenience and the discomfort and the turbulence, there is a blessing in every storm we encounter in our lives. Because God is good, because God is sovereign, he's able to take what the devil meant for evil and turn it for your good. Because God is good and God 
is sovereign. Your enemy may have been it unto you for evil, but God says, I'm going to work it out for your benefit because God is good and because God is sovereign. Your enemies may have plotted and dug a hole for you to fall in, and God will use that plot as a platform to lift you to even higher heights because God is good and God is sovereign. The unexpected storms come in our life. You don't have to fall apart. You don't have to be dismayed. You don't have to be discouraged. God is still in charge. This is what we find out in this text. The Lord has invited his disciples to go with him on an excursion to the other side. There's something on the other side that needs to be attended to. If you read chapter 5, Jesus has great miracles in store for us in chapter 5 of Mark on the other side. On the other side, there's a man who's possessed with a legion of demons who needs to be clothed and in his right mind. On the other side, there's a woman that's been sick for 12 years with the issue of blood who needs to touch the hem of the master's daughter. On the other side, there's a man whose daughter is about to get a bad prognosis. In fact, they would even pronounce her as dead, Jairus' daughter, and he needs to get a glimpse into the resurrection power of the Lord on the other side. Jesus invites them to go to the other side. But while they are on, in my body, on their way, the Bible says that suddenly a great windstorm, sometimes causing a quarrel. It is in this a storm on the Sea of Galilee because the Sea of Galilee is approximately 700 feet below sea level. And when the winds get into the valley of the mountains, that wind storm begins to develop and the waters become very violent. While they erupt, this storm arises. And when the disciples experience this storm, they do what we do. When storms in our lives began to rage, they panicked. They got anxious. They began to become frantic. And yes, they even became afraid. I know we good church folk and we love the Lord. We want to act like we always have our composure. We want to act like nothing is up. Nothing makes us afraid. The reality is, you're saved, but you're human. And things that happen in your life that makes you afraid. Things that happen that shakes your faith, that can cause you to become frantic, that can knock you off of your equilibrium. This is what happens when these disciples there in the midst of the storm, and they become so afraid that they cry out to Jesus, Master, do you care that we are perishing? I want you to make sure that, make sure that you really look into the inquiry that they ask the Master. And then, Master, do you even care? Have you ever been there before? When life is turning you upside down and inside out, you know the Lord loves you, but in that moment, you began to question, Lord, do you see 
But I'm going through. How are you so calm? In the midst of my condition, how are you so um, together more when I am falling apart? Do you even care? Yes, there's a lot of our friends and our family members too. We are going through difficult situations. And they aren't responding the way we want them to respond, or they are giving up questions to our defense, but they're not bailing us out. We began to question, Mama, do you care? Daddy, do you care? Grandma, do you care? Sister, do you understand what I'm going through? Because when people don't respond the way we want them to, how we want them to, where we want them to, we begin to question their affection for us. Lord, do you care what we are going through right now? How is it that you're so calm when I'm so disturbed? Then they said, do you care that we are perishing? They, they, they have, uh, brothers and sisters, already uh, pronounced their end. They, they have already accepted the fact that this is it. They are on that boat and they are literally saying amongst themselves, I guess this is how we're going to go out. I guess this is how it's going to come to the end of us. They, they, they say to the Lord, Lord, do you care that right now our lives are about to come to an end? They pronounce their own end. Out of their fear, their frustration. We do that too. We get anxious, we get afraid, we get frantic, and before we know it, we put an expiration date somewhere where God is trying to put an exclamation mark. We put something there and finalize something that God is saying it is just a phase that you are going through. We all the time will pronounce our own end, and what we fail to realize is this is what Satan wants you to do when you go through an unexpected storm. The devil wants us to question the goodness of God and wants us to pronounce our in. Embrace it. Believe it. And just sit there and wait on it. Have you known anyone like that? I know you, you, you good people. You trust the Lord. You, 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 you ain't got to give up. Do you, you have some friends, some cousins of them that have gotten there when they get on the phone with you. And, and the more you go know, they ask, like, I know I this is the end of my life. It ain't no get together. I don't want to hear anything about the Lord and make a way. I don't want to hear anything about waiting on the Lord. I don't want to hear anything about trusting Jesus. No, this is it. I don't need no spiritual focus. Focus. This is all. They pronounce their own end. This is what the devil does. He wants to get you to that place where you fail to see the blessing. That God is giving to you in the midst of your unexpected storm. He wants you to become so caught up in the bleakness of the moment that you cannot see the blessing, not on the other side of it, but the blessing of going through it. That you can't see the Savior in your storms. But the 
should see past that. We ought to see in our unexpected storms. Now, there are three things that I've done this morning. First, unexpected storms causes us to reflect upon the mystery of God's plan. Reflect upon the mystery of God's plan. I love the fact that I serve a big God. See, some, some, some folks want to serve a little God that always makes sense, who always is predictable, a God that always responds the way they want him to respond, a God who thinks like they think, who sees like they see, a God who they can't control. That's why people make gods out of money and cars and jobs. It's because those little gods are God that you and I can't control. Makes us feel like we're in charge. And they just are a means to getting what we want. But I don't serve a little God. I serve a big God. A God whose ways are not my ways. Whose thoughts are not my thoughts. As the heavens are above the earth. So his ways above my ways. His thoughts above my thoughts. I serve a God who oftentimes catches me blindside. I'm looking for God to come one way. And he comes through the back door. I serve a God who's able not to just take this out of the furnace. But able to take the heat out of the furnace. But I'm in it. I serve a God that not only delivers me out of the lion's den, but he'll put me in the lion's den and then take the appetite out of the lion's den. I serve a big God that won't just be jumping around the Red Sea. He will part the Red Sea. I serve a big God that is able to down up the Jordan River. He don't have to build this. He'll have to go across on Jordan. And he's a big God. It says he's a big God. When I get in storms, I begin to marvel at his wisdom. Brother, I said this way, God moves in mysterious ways. Wonders to perform, we pass the feet upon the sea and rise upon the storm. God's will is a mystery to us. And when we get in storms, we ought to just calm down and say, Lord, what are you doing right now? What is it that you are taking me through? What is it in your will that is for my benefit, even though I'm going through this discomfort right now? His disciples are sitting on the, they're sitting on the boat in the storm, and they say, hold on. Jesus told us to get in this water. Jesus told us to go to the other side. This was his idea. We didn't ask for a cruise ship to the other side. We weren't saying we need a, a relaxing ride from this side of the base of the Japanese to the other side of the bay. We didn't ask for a, a cruise vacation, Lord. This was your idea. Some of us feel like that sometimes in our lives. I know I do. Lord, this is your idea. This is not something that I came up with. This is not something that I engineered. This is not something that came out of my ingenuity of my own mind, Lord. This is 
Here I am being obedient to you. And an unexpected storm arrives. I'm going to tell you, church, you got to learn how to reflect upon the mystery of God's will. Because even though while we're going through it, it may not feel good, but whatever God allowed is ultimate for your good. I always have a witness this morning. It may not feel good to you, but it is God's will. In the end, it's better for you. In the end, you will win. It is God's will. God has a way of turning things around for your good. And some of you live long enough to know that. You've been to the storm, in the storm. But the Lord lets you get to the other side of the storm. Now you recognize that in the storm, God was perfecting something. God was purging something. God was even removing something. That's ultimately what's for your good. And unexpected storms reflect upon the mystery of God's plan. But not only that, in unexpected storms, they cause us to remember. The posi our position in God's plan. Our position in God's plan. Here it is, bottom line, I'll be done. Jesus told you to get on the ship. That's all he told you. Some of y'all listen. He told you to get on the ship. And go with him. To the other side. He didn't ask you to navigate the ship. He didn't ask you to take care of every problem that happens while you're in transit. He just told you, get on the ship. Y'all don't hear me this morning. What I'm saying is, we have to remember our position. Our position is just simply a passenger. That we are just riding with Jesus. He does not need us to tell him how to handle the journey. He does not need us to tell us how to block the journey. All he needs us to do is get on the ship. Well, you know, I hear riding folks that want to tell you how to drive. On the passenger side. I don't know, that just irritates me. I, I just pull over and say, Do you want to drive? Like, you know, do, 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 do you, if you want, if you can do this better, you feel like doing it, I don't mind uh, relieving myself from the driver's position and we can stop. But I, but, 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 but I don't need you to tell me, slow down.
you see yourself as being a
city. And they asked you to lay my hands on them. And I healed them of all types of sickness and disease. I healed so many people that I even went to go and pray the next morning. And y'all came and disturbed my devotional gift by saying, Master, everybody is looking for you. And you still don't have faith. We moved to another village that was a leper who asked the question, Lord, if you will, you are able to make me clean. And I told that leper that I am willing. And I told him to stretch out his hand. And I touched that leper's hand. And his skin was restored. Are you still doubting me, God? When we got in that time, we were resting in a house. And people came from every direction. And there came a man who was a paralytic. And his friends started carrying him toward the house. And when they got to the house, they could not get through the door. So they went up on the roof and let it down upon his back. And I said, according to their faith, you are healed. Are you still doubting me when I healed the man with the withered hand who could not extend his hand? But I told him to stretch out his hand. And the man obeyed by trusting in my voice. And his hand was restored. Do you remember the second healing crusade when I healed all types of sickness and disease? And now you see what I've done in your past. And you're in a storm. And you are afraid of that. He said, Are you still not trusting me? And Tabernacle, as I go to my seat, I want to ask you a question. Now, how many times do the Lord have to work on your behalf before you start to put your trust in the man who steals the water and in the man that calls the rage and How many times do the Lord? Uh, and the presence of 